This morning's scripture is found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, the first nine verses. At that very time, there were some present who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. He asked them, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No. I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them. Do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No. I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, See here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. So in the ancient world, in the Bible, it was often thought that if something bad happened to you, something you must have done something wrong. You must have done something to deserve it. Right? Job, uh, Job's friends... I should put in air quotes. Job's friends kind of thought that too. They thought, well, you know, when Job was suffering and going through all this stuff, even though he was a righteous person, all of his friends said, well, you must have done something to make God mad because look at you. You're a hot mess. And uh, he insisted that no, and certainly that was the case. But they, they were convinced that some, Job had done something to bring all this calamity on them. And in fact, even Jesus is confronted with this in a, in a different text than what we're talking about today. When a blind man is brought to him and the Pharisees want to know, who sinned, this guy or his parents? And Jesus said, neither, neither of them sinned, uh, but he was born blind so that I could show you God's glory. And goes on to heal him and makes a great sermon out of the whole thing, which is what a good preacher does, right? Uh, so there was this notion about the judgment, uh, that if something bad was happening to you, it was some kind of judgment from God, or maybe some kind of test from God, or that somehow, uh, you know, it's karma coming back. We, we kind of, we cling to this idea, don't we, sometimes? I know, you know, I know, you know, maybe we try to resist it, but every once in a while, we kind of cling to this idea when something bad is happening, when it seems like it's piling up, we're like, what have I done to upset you? Because things are really starting to pile up. We can't help ourselves. We kind of have the, it seems, it seems natural to want to look towards God and wonder why God is doing this to us. Uh, and, uh, and, and sometimes this is taken to quite an extreme, like it was, it was like it was in biblical times. Uh, when I was about fifth grade, uh, a friend of mine named Mike Erickson went 
camping with the Boy Scouts, and um, it was bad weather, and he didn't have a rubberized pad he was on. He was just laying on the ground, and lightning struck the tent that he and several other kids were in, and he was killed instantly. Everyone else was okay because they had a, a pad. He, they, had, they had the right equipment. Uh, Mike did not survive that and was killed instantly. And honest to goodness, I'm in fifth grade and everyone is wondering what Mike did to bring judgment and, and, and that it was his time and God, you know, God must have been punishing his family for something they had done and things like that. I, I, even at fifth grade, I was baffled by this notion. It wasn't God's judgment. It's because he didn't have the right equipment. <laughs> to be out in a thunderstorm camping with a bunch of Boy Scouts. So uh, we, we cling to this idea sometimes in an attempt to try and make sense of tragedy. I mean, there is something a little comforting about try, you know, imagining that the random acts that affect our lives are somehow part of a big great plan. I mean, there's something comforting to think that God, that it's God's providence and there is some unseen good that comes out of tragedy. That God must be doing something worthwhile if even in the midst of tragic circumstances. I mean, I, I can, that's comforting. It's a little comforting to feel like God is in control when the whole world is out of control. But I think Jesus in our, in our text today is really confronting this kind of thinking. They're talking amongst themselves about an incident. An incident, by the way, that, that no one knows what they're referencing here. It's only found, these two incidents that are talked about, the only, they're only found here in Luke. There's no reference to it anywhere else in Josephus or anything like that. So we don't really know what the circumstances are that Jesus is, is referring to here in Luke. Uh, but you can imagine, they're talking about an incident where some Galileans, I'm imagining, were mounting up some kind of rebellion or had done something to offend Rome and in the middle of their worship in the temple, some Roman soldiers came and killed them on the spot. That's the picture that's being painted for us by Luke. And then another incident where some construction workers were building a tower near the pool of Siloam, and that tower must have fallen and killed some people in Jerusalem. Uh, And that's the picture being painted for us by Luke. And Jesus wonders, do you really think that that they had done something? That these Galileans were bigger sinners than other Galileans in our midst? Or do you really think that uh, that these construction workers had done something to deserve this tower falling on them and killing them? No. No. Jesus says. And what I think Jesus is getting at is that sometimes we, sometimes we live a long and fruitful life and that is no reflection 
of our righteousness before God. Sometimes our life is cut short for seeming no reason. And I dare say God would say there, there is no reason. But that is no reflection of our righteousness before God. And sometimes we put ourselves in situations that are dangerous and we experience tragedy because of it. And that is not a reflection of our righteousness before God. And here in Luke, Luke uses a lot of judgment language. I want to say something about that. We get a little, we get a little, we don't like the idea of judgment. In fact, we go out of our way here at First Baptist to, to, to not be judgmental. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, we, we want to, we want everyone to feel blessed and, uh, uh, we don't want to, we don't want to judge anybody. But I can tell you this, for Luke's community, we, and they read, they were longing for a little bit of God's judgment. They really hoped for some judgment. Why? Because they were an oppressed people living under the thumb of Rome. They were hoping God would come in a righteous judgment and judge those who had exacted oppression and marginalization against the Jewish people. So they were longing for a little bit of judgment. So when they, when they see the word judgment, we have a, we have kind of a negative reaction. They have one of, they see hope. <laughs> so I want to offer that to you. But at the end of the day, what Jesus is really talking about is, is our righteousness before God. Are we righteous? Are we not righteous in the, in the eyes of God? Are we, are we living a righteous life or are we not living a righteous life? And Jesus invites us to repent, that is to turn toward God, no matter what our circumstance, no matter what is going on. And that is what determines our righteousness. Are we moving toward God, looking toward God, or are we looking away and moving the other direction? Repentance literally means to turn around and go in another direction. So this is Jesus' invitation, or, or, or this is what Jesus says is the determination of our righteousness before God. And then, and then Jesus tells this great parable that's only found in Luke. And Jesus tells this great parable. I love, this is such, I'm going to point out why this is such a blessing from, uh, that comes to us from Luke. This, this is such a blessing of a parable. Because Jesus, in this parable, shifts the conversation away from judgment and blame to grace and mercy. And he tells this story about a gardener who, who has this tree, and the master comes in and looks at this tree and says, this tree is worthless. This tree has not produced fruit in three years. Why, do we, why is it still here? It gets right in the way. It's sucking up the nutrients from all the other trees. It's just a blight. It's not even that pretty. We should just dig it up and get rid of it. And the gardener comes along and says, no, 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 no. Let's give it another try. Let's give it another chance. Let me do this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get some of that good sheep stuff. Some of that good sheep manure, right? I'm going to spread that around in here. And I'm going to nurture this tree. I'm going to work with this tree. I'm going to see what... See what I can I'm going to give some extra attention to this tree. And next year, I'm betting it's going to bear some fruit. I'm betting it's going to bear some fruit. This is God's mercy. This is God's grace. This is the God not of judgment, 
and condemnation. This is the God of second chances. This is the God who says, no, 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 no. We're not going to, even though three years, no one let a tree hang around doing nothing for three years. You know, people made their living, people had to eat, right? They cut that tree out of there and they got on with their business, right? Uh, Anyone listening to this parable would have gone, this is ridiculous. I would not leave a tree there. I'd have cut it down the first year. But uh, God's mercy is grand. God's mercy is over the top. God's grace is abundant beyond measure. And God says, you know what? Let's nurture this thing along. And let's help it bear some fruit. Let's give it what it needs so that it might grow into what it wants to be. The message coming from Christ today to you and me is the same. Where we hear where we bring down on ourselves judgment and condemnation, where we gather up our shame, where we wonder, what have I done to offend God? In Christ, God is crying out to us saying, no, 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 no. God is not judging you. God wants to nurture you. God wants to give you everything you need so that you might bear fruit. There is no judgment here. There is only mercy. There is only grace. There is only time and space and love and compassion so that you might become all that God created you to be. So that you might be a mighty oak or an apple tree or a lemon tree. Some of you are kind of lemon trees, right? (laughs) Or, you know, whatever kind of tree God made you to be. What a blessing this parable is. God is not a God of judgment who goes around cutting down trees. God says let's give him a second chance. Let's give him a third chance. Let's give him a, a fourth chance. And when Peter asked the question, how many, time, how many chances do I need to give? Jesus' response was seven times seven. That's a lot of chances. God's mercy and grace is so abundant and overflowing. And so often we we shun it. But the message today is that it's there for the taking. Jesus has got a lot of manure to spread on you. (laughs) And it's there for us to take and to be nurtured and to grow and become all that God has intended us to be.